Welcome to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More. Thank you so much for tuning into The Pasty Tapes. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, recording today from Las Vegas. I am currently in my hotel room at Beehoff. So the AC might kick on in the background because I don't know how to turn that off, but we are here. We are doing it. We are in Las Vegas. It is happening. Today is Thursday. I'm so excited. So this is one of our pre-Behoff episodes where I chat with competitors, performers, and attendees ahead of the Burlesque Hall of Fame Weekender, which takes place June 6th through June 9th in Las Vegas at the Orleans Hotel. Today, we will hear from a competitor, a Behoff host with a first Behoff experience story, and an alternate for the Movers, Shakers, and Innovators Showcase. Today, my guest is Kitson Sass. We first met in April in a stellar show called Royal Tees, produced by Mercury Stardust in Madison, Wisconsin. This show had stars like Kitson Sass, 2019 Behoff Queen competitor Foxy Tan, 2017 competitor Mercury Stardust, 2016 mover, shaker, and innovator Camille Leon, 2013 King of Burlesque, Raygun, myself, and some other local performers. In Madison, I had a chance to hang out with Kitson, and we bonded over my first experience at the Show Me Burlesque Festival. We will talk about competition, Behoff prep, and her partnership with Pistol Prudence. Stay tuned for a later episode with Kitson, where we talk about her burlesque origin story. Okay, let's talk about Behoff. How do you feel? Um... I mean, I've been going through a roller coaster of emotions, but I feel really good right now. Like, besides nerves, which are inevitable, I feel like I've I've kind of done all I can do, so just, like, let it go. Tell me about how many times you've been to Behoff before this. I know you've gone a few times. How many years have you been there? So... Uh, this will be my fourth year there. Um, the last two years I competed with Pistol. And then the year prior, I think, was 2016. That was I was planning on going that year. That was going to be my first year just going to watch. Um, but then a troupe I was in got accepted into the large group category. So I've competed every year that I've been there. Um and I'd love to just, I'd love to see the Saturday show and just take it in and not have nerves, but that hasn't happened yet. And I'm grateful. I'm super grateful for that. But it's a different experience when you're terrified and nervous all day. <laughs> right. What's it? Okay. So you've been on that stage three times now, once with your yeah. troop, the troop that you were in, and then yeah. twice with your aerial partner, Pistol. How does it feel to be coming back this time by yourself as a soloist it feels great <laughs> it feels great and it feels terrifying like pistol pistols like my sister or family so it was always nice to have that person with you to be scared with or nervous with but you you had a built-in person to rely on and doing it alone is terrifying but also exciting so it's just it's it's crazy it's different I'm excited different but I'm going yes. to miss her <laughs> I'm going to miss pistol it's weird I just feel like 
my identity is so wrapped up in us as a duo and I've just this last year I've been trying to push myself more into finding myself as a soloist as well so I'm very proud and happy and elated and excited but I'm I'm also gonna miss Pistol. <laughs> will Pistol be attending this year? Yes, she will be. She's coming with to support me and hold my hand and just be wonderful. You know, Minnesota, um, your area has been on that stage a good number of times. Do you feel familiar-ish with that stage? Like, is it possible to? feel familiar what are your thoughts around that I definitely it's you know you have this list of unknowns that are terrifying you you can't control and you don't know what's going to happen but I do feel like that is an unknown that I could cross off the list I know what the stage looks like I know what to expect when rigging Ariel there I know what the backstage looks like so when I'm what I'm trying to do to prep my nerves, which probably doesn't work at all, is I keep picturing myself there. So when I'm performing on my home stage, I'm picturing that I'm there on that stage because I'm trying to build up my nerves so I can tackle them at the same time. So I do think that has been a benefit. I don't know if it'll help me at all during my actual performance, but it has calmed my nerves to know where I'm going to be and be able to see the stage in my mind. So I know this is not at all on the same scale, but I also really believe in visualization. I do that when Muggle Me is going into a big meeting and I'm like, okay, cool. I know what this room looks like. I at the very least know where I'm going to stand and where other people are going to be sitting. Um, I did it with my burlesque debut at Delinquent Debutantes in Nashville. It's like, okay, I've been in that studio before. Is this something that you do often? Do you often visualize yourself like in an effort to calm your nerves or is this unique to your Beehoff experience? I do it a lot. Uh, my first time ever being, for my burlesque debut, whatever that was, solo, um, I had a stage I was picturing in my mind. And it's not the stage I was on, but it's it's what I'm picturing myself somewhere, right? When you're rehearsing and practicing, um, for real. So you're, I'm like, oh, there's my audience, and this is where so-and-so is going to sit, because they always sit there. <laughs> it's It's... It's very helpful. As you've been on this journey, kind of exploring who you are as a soloist, I know we talked about that when we were in Madison um, doing, you did a couple like really, really beautiful and rock rock and roll kind of acts when we were out in Madison. Um, as you've been on this journey exploring who you are as a soloist, like who you are away from Kitson and Pistol, which I think is, you know, a great duo that a lot of people know at what point on this solo journey were you like yeah this is my submission act like this is the act that I want to bring to Beehoff or was it not at all like that did you just kind of like throw one in by yourself as you were applying when I first started working on this act so I think it's two two and a half years maybe now I was just feeling it. I was all about it. I'm like, I'm going to get into Beehoff with this act. <laughs> I was so overly excited and confident about it. And I didn't think I was going to get into Beehoff with this act the year I created it. I just 
I love this act. It's like we're one being, and I just thought this was going to be it. But I was just watching, like, the very first time I performed this, I I was watching the video, and I was astonished at how much it's changed, how much I've changed. I The costume has changed so much. I feel like I've grown as a performer so much that I can't believe that back when I first did this act, I thought it was going to go anywhere. Because looking at it now, I'm like, well, that was a piece of crap. <laughs> but it wasn't. It just was early. It was. It hadn't blossomed into what I'm feeling with it now. Um, and now it's feeling really good. And I know that in two years, I'll probably look back and be like, I can't believe I thought that I could do this act on that behalf stage but everything is an evolution right and it grows and you become more bonded with the art that you're creating right that makes Um, sense I don't know if any of that made sense (laughs) I think maybe people won't be willing to admit it but I think everyone has an act that they kind of feel that way about like you know whether it is a this act is going to take me to whatever the Behoff is in their mind, right? If it is Behoff, Behoff, or if it's Show Me, or if it's, you know, this one place that's really hard to get a booking in their town, right? I think everyone has that kind of act. And I think it's really exciting to hear about people's mindset transformations and also to hear about like the actual upgrades that they've made like along the way. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Like how... How are you prepping or how have you prepped for your Behoff Weekender? And what, I guess, what has changed? You know, you can frame it up in terms of change from two and a half years ago to now to, you know, finding out you got in to now. Oh. Bring me a little bit on that, on that little evolution here. I mean, when I first did this act, I was using a $12 dress that I found at TJ Maxx or Marshalls, and I'm still using that dress, but it looks nothing like what it did, <laughs> which I'm super proud of, but it has gone through so many, like, different iterations of itself, and... The same $12 dress? How are you making that work? $12 dress. Um, you know, I cut, <laughs> and I slice, and I tack things up, and I, I don't know how to sew, but I definitely can Frankenstein a costume. Um, it's now has the underneath layer of a hand-me-down prom dress inside of it. Um, it's actually, it's got two different dresses in and on it. Um, lots of hand-me-downs. I've been stoning it for the, since I've had it. So I've slowly been adding stones to it. And the dress itself has to it really had to be like structurally engineered to do what I want it to do when I'm on the Lyra. Um, So it's, it's been a work in progress. I mean, I was still modifying things last week. I have weights sewn into the bottom so that it comes off in a specific manner. And with the stoning and everything that I've been doing, it's been changing the weight of the dress. So then I'm going back in and removing weights or adding weights. It's, it's been a deal. It's been a deal. <laughs> what has your rehearsal process been like with this act since finding out that you got in? 
I am, I'm practicing every free moment that I have and I'm watch. I'm taking videos of myself and I'm watching them over and over and over, um, and finding transitions that I can smooth out, uh, areas I need to work on, um, where, where, where am I moving too much when I shouldn't be and where do I need to add something or where can I find a moment to connect with the audience because when you're spinning on the lira it's it's easy to get sucked up into your own world like nobody else is there but it's there are moments you can find to connect but you also have to know when they're coming <laughs> so you can the audience because you're spinning (laughs) Um, so I've been doing I've just been meticulously watching this thing and rehearsing it into the ground and Electrocute who produces Blackheart's Burlesque which is my home troupe show uh, when I found out that I got in she was lovely enough to give me extra stage time because there's we don't have a lot of venues in town where aerial is an option. So to have extra stage time to get out there and calm my nerves and do this act over and over and over in front of an audience and change things every time has been really helpful. Are you a competitive person? Like, did you grow up being competitive? Like, what's your mindset around competition going in? I'm not a competitive person. Um, and the whole, the fact that this is a competition is messing with me slightly. I'm trying to wrap my head around it because I keep telling myself it's okay. You don't expect to win. Like honestly, just being accepted into the category was, I'm like, I could die today. I'm so happy. This is like the best thing that's ever happened to me. But now I feel like I, I have to go on stage and then when you don't win, I feel like, I don't know, this is going to come out weird. I feel like everybody's going to look at you and go, oh, it's okay. You know, you did great, but I'm sorry you didn't win. And it's like, I don't, I don't want anyone's pity because I don't expect to win. I don't care about winning. I care about being on that stage in the company of all these wonderful people performers but I feel like that's what I'm battling with right now it's almost like other people's perception of you not winning and then like this pity that I I I don't even know if that's a real thing I just I wish it weren't a competition (laughs) oh it's absolutely a real thing you are also not the only person to say that like to me or you know not necessarily on the podcast but like in conversation and everything it's just like yeah, it's a competition, but it's not because these are all my friends. Yeah. These are all artists that I really, really respect and an audience full of people that I respect. Um, You've already won by being there. It's Oh, yeah. Like being there, right? Okay, how many people are in this category? How many people have applied? Like what, you know, you have like a, what, 6% chance like of getting in. <laughs> Like that in itself is a major accomplishment and you should absolutely feel proud. And I think the people, I can see people saying that though, or that way, like, oh, like you did such a good job with like that tone. I think we both are thinking of the same (laughs) 
oh, good, you know, oh, you were so beautiful up there. Like, but that tone <laughs> in the background that your head, they might not actually have it, but in your head, it's there, right? I think, I think that they're, that person is just so proud and so happy for you. And maybe because they're not the ones up there, maybe they have experienced that. They don't, like, the react, there's, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's like, it makes sense as a reaction. It makes sense as a concern. Yes. But all these people that are there are coming from a place of love. And regardless of the result, right, regardless of what happens, like, they know that you being up there and you know, right, that's the important part. You know being up there is already winning. Right. And I think that's really beautiful. Right. It's like I I just don't want to fall. I don't want to throw up. I don't want to slip. I just I just want to do a good job. And other than that, I think everybody's great and let's just all yeah, support each other and try to have try to have fun. Okay, since like you've this is your fourth time at the Burlesque Hall of Fame, each time you've performed, have you been able to enjoy you know, the Thursday, Friday, leading up to your Saturday day? Like, what have those days been like for you in the past? Uh, I am a ball of nerves. So when the Thursday show starts, you know, there's the opening number and you're all excited. And then you see people on the stage and you think, at least this is what I do. I'm like, oh, God, I bet they're so nervous. And then I'm like, oh, my God. That's going to be me in two days. I'm terrified. And then I have this moment of panic where I, like, pull myself out of the theater. I mean, I don't physically, but in my mind, I'm not focusing on what's happening. I'm just now a ball of nerves. And then I'd say after, like, the first act, I come back, and then I'm just, like, in it, and I'm enjoying it, and I've forgotten about that wave of anxiety. So I get a little little bit a little bit sketchy, the opening of Thursday, but it's such a good show. You just, that stuff goes away so fast and you're pulled right back into this beautiful art. And then Friday is just a wonderful, you know, soul filling evening full of tears and crying and world famous Bob. And, but Saturday, Saturday for me has been pretty terrible. Every, yeah. Like, just I just physically don't feel great, and I'll take a lot of baths, and I don't know. It's, it's. I'm, I'm going to try and do Saturday a little different this year. I think I'm just going to, like, hang at a pool, maybe take two baths instead of five, and just try to stay in a good headspace. Okay, I'm jumping in with an edit here. Kitson and I chatted about our deep, deep love of the Show Me Burlesque Festival, and she also gave me some handy advice about Beehoff and burlesque in general. I told her my tale of meeting world-famous Bob and eventually being asked to join the House of Famous in a serendipitous twist after kind of being broken up with by someone who I considered a mentor. I still consider them a mentor. So I'm jumping back in here at the end of my breakup story, and Kitson is talking about her relationship with her performing partner, Pistol prudence. Just knowing that if I needed, needed like this courage moment or like needed something that like I could make that text, like I think it's made me look at burlesque so much differently and it's helped me 
deal with my nerves and tackle like whatever I'm going through like so much with so much more confidence like whether or not you know I, I don't talk to her like every week or anything right and there are some drag children who do but like just knowing that I could and knowing that I'm a part of something I think that was like the part that really hurt about being broken up with like I already really struggle with feeling like I belong to the Chicago community because like I'm burlesque from Nashville and I started by traveling as a traveling performer doing festivals. And so people will ask, like, oh, where in Chicago do you perform? And I'm like, oh, uh, like, well, I haven't performed in Chicago yet. But here's like five states that I've performed in <laughs> already. Um, so like, I think like that was the part that was really crazy, like really feeling like I didn't belong to this community, you know, being broken up with by that person. And then like having this like overarching, like mega god of our art form, like reach out to me like it was it was a lot. It was very, I'm very, very grateful. And I really hope I never make an ass of myself, mostly because I would never want to disappoint world famous. Thought, but like, who does, you know, like no one wants to disappoint her. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people feel that way, right? Like if it's one of the reasons I'm like so attached and happy to be with Pistol because no matter if someone's breaking up, with us they're breaking up with the two of us like I trust her so much I still have those pains like those I've been rejected by this producer or this you know there's always weird stuff in the community right but I always know I have pistol so like she's my family she's no world famous Bob but <laughs> it's nice but to like have you know in your heart right yeah. she is though yeah. right like whatever right whatever the world famous Bob equivalent is right yeah. like just like the whatever the Hoff or show me equivalent is yeah prudence in my heart <laughs> you <world> yeah Bob <laughs> wow you have to tell her that <laughs> you have to you're gonna like I I don't know if you – it's none of my business if you applied or not or if you – I not. did not. Okay. I feel like you would have been up there. You are so good. Thank – okay. So this is – because I'm me, because I am – you know, because it took me like four years to debut and like blah, 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 like so many people, like people who've competed for Queen, people who have won for Queen, like people who've been out there, like so many people were telling me to like just apply and then I had this one friend who I love dearly who, you know, knows that I get really wrapped up in things like that um, and knows that I'm, like, really anxious and all of that. Um, she was like, well, what if you, like, took this as a year to do your homework? Like, I am really, really – I am that person who's really competitive, like, competitive with myself, yeah. really. Um, I also, like – I know that if I did that at the stage that I'm at in my burlesque career, like – I would have had the most horrific, you know, time between sitting, hitting submit and like finding out, you know, let's say I got in, right? Yeah. I would have been a wreck for the past like seven months. And so I was like, all right, like I'm not in the place emotionally to be in like a potential competition setting. But like it is OK, like I'm going to sound like an ass saying this, but also you said it in your part. So it's fine. Like. I know, like, in my mind's eye, right, like, in my heart of hearts, like, I know I'm going to be on that stage one day. And the thing that, you know, I, I also really don't like disappointing people. So people have asked, like, did you apply? Like, what happened? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, I see you didn't get in. And I'm like, well, actually, I didn't apply. You know, it's like, I know that I'm going to be up there. 
So why don't we not make it my first year attending? Let's see what this is like. Yeah. So I think I've, I think I will submit next. I'm someone who looks at a thing and is like, all right, if I'm going to do this, like I'm going to be up there doing it. Like I'm, that's how I've like tackled everything. It's like, it's hard, right? Like that's not, that's not a safe. I know that that is not a safe way to look at something as personal as burlesque and as you know it's it's an art form and it's really hard for me to like not look at it like a job or not look at it like school and so I think I need to like sort that out I talked to my therapist about burlesque for like 45 minutes a day or you know 45 minutes a session like <laughs> yeah. just trying to like get my head straight around everything because otherwise like I will destroy it right oh, like, I will yeah. destroy it's a total mind fuck it's like yeah. I'm I kind of the same way I'm super analytical so like what I was saying about my act, I've just been dissecting this, these videos. I'm taking oh, yeah. some videos and I'm like, you have a weird micro bend in that leg. And it's like, I feel like I, I need to have something that I can control to calm my nerves so that I'm like, I'm just, you know, going to drill this this drop into the ground. I'm just going to drill it and I'm going to get my hair dyed because I can control that. And I'm <laughs> Right. Right. Teeth. I'm gonna do these things that I can control, but like, you can't rehearse. There's that whole side you can't rehearse, like that that genuine connection part, which is right. the the magic of burlesque. And I feel like that's it's so hard to get there to like let go of all the stuff that you want to control so that you can just be this vulnerable you out on stage. It's so, it's such a fucking mind fuck for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that must be like harder when you're all the way up there in the sky, right? Like you were saying, like being in your own, you know, that you can get lost in your own world up there sometimes. But I do think that, you know, in, I don't, you know, this could be totally throwaway for you, but as someone who's seen you a couple times, like, I think you have a wonderful connection with the audience and like even when you're like up there like with you know with pistol like it it felt like oh shit like I'm spinning along too like wow and I think that that's a really nice like magic that you bring to the stage and I'm really really excited to see you up there that's really nice (laughs) it's all true Kitson thank you so much for joining me today on the pasty tapes i am so excited to cheer you on at the burlesque hall of fame as you compete in the best debut category where can people find you on the internet um on instagram at kits and sass uh pistol and i have a website kitson and for all our duo action and then you can just find me around in real life floating in minnesota thank you for having me <laughs> Thank you for being here. I will see you soon. Bye. Okay, let's take some calls from the Pasty Tapes hotline. This first caller has an incredible Behoff story. The call did cut out, but it's such a beautiful call that it made me cry on the train home when I was checking voicemails. This message is from the incredible, absolutely lovely, finest MC in the world, everyone's darling, Blanche Debris. Hi, it's Blanche Debris calling you from Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, and actually just a few blocks away from the Orleans right now because I just got my nails done. Um, but anyway, my first Behoff 
was officially in 2010, and I remember I picked up uh, Tigger from the airport to drive him to the Golden Nugget where he was staying, and that year, because I've known Tigger for about oh, more years than you're probably alive. Anyway, um, and so I was going to the first BF. I just started for like 2008. And I went only to the Sunday night show. That's the only thing I could afford. Um, and I went with my friend Ginger and I remember Laura Herbert was sitting at the table. It was at the plaza. And I remember I couldn't get over the sound of the crowd. Like everyone was so, there was just this, this wonderful buzz, um, from all these sparkly people. And I remember, um, feeling really like, um, like I didn't belong. Like I felt like I just wasn't, uh, to the standard of all these people, even though I've been doing it for a couple of years. And um, and I remember seeing a Sparkly Devil doing um, a hip-hop routine to burlesque, and I didn't know at the time that you could do burlesque hip-hop. Um, and I was blown away by her. And I just I remember sitting there at the table and not even knowing to, say, introduce myself or I didn't know how to talk to anyone. And I felt really... Um, I felt like I wanted to be a part of everything, but I had no idea how to. And then cut to 2011 when I attended my second BHOP, went to every single night, and I remember looking on the stage at um, Astrid Von Vollmer emceeing, and I said, in five years, I want to be as good as that as an MC, and I want to be able to emcee BHOP in five years. That was my goal. In 2011, I said five years. And the next year, in 2012, I hosted the Mover Shakers and Innovator Showcase, um, only because I don't know how I got in, but I know that people saw me in Seattle and in Vegas and recommended me behind my back. Um, and that's what I loved about Burlesque is that um, it, there's no this showbiz crap where you have to schmooze and, you know, fail and fail and fail and, and, and try to prove yourself every time. If, if someone believes in you, um, they would give you a shot, and that's what I love about Beehoff. Um, and everything uh, they say about having enough water and you won't be sleeping and um, you'll be eating at Fuddle at 4 a.m. is true. Um, <laughs> and um, I am not going to advise anyone this year to treat it as a marathon. I'm going to tell everyone to go full going out to the wall and breathe and live and fill every moment. And, and don't worry about sleeping and don't worry about Okay, so it did cut out, but I could hear Blanche talk all day long. Thank you so much, Blanche, for sharing your experience. Having you introduce me at the Savannah Burlesque Festival was one of my major burlesque goals realized. I cannot wait to see you this weekend. This next caller is an alternate for the Movers, Shakers, and Innovators. I also met this performer at the Savannah Burlesque Festival. Such incredible energy, and oh my god, the act they performed there just blew me away. This is the Alabaster Hourglass Bunny Wigglebottom in a two-part call. Hi, so my hi, Basie Tape. It's Bunny Wigglebottom from Atlanta, Georgia. I am calling from the bathroom of our room at uh, the beautiful Orleans Hotel um, for Behoff 2019. It's our eighth Behoff. Um, I the only advice. I mean, I'm sure everybody's covered it. People who know are much wiser than I am, but I would say. You got to hydrate to gyrate, obviously. Um, I like Epsom salt. I always buy a couple of bags of Epsom salt and take a nice warm bath. Helps my feet. Um, 
So I am, um, I wanted to just share because this is my first year, um, having an experience being chosen as an alternate. And I don't know that I've ever known of anyone else. I mean, I don't think we really talk about it. We celebrate the performers, of course, who are selected, um, to perform. But as an alternate, I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, full of mixed emotions because, um, obviously, I would be absolutely ecstatic to actually be called up to perform, but Paul and I, my sweetheart, are such huge fans, it's sort of bittersweet because I can't wait to watch everyone else perform and cheer. Um, so, <laughs> who knows? It's going to be great either way. I look forward to seeing people that I only get to see in Las Vegas once a year, sometimes even less than that. But um, please look for us, myself, Mr. Paul Lewis, uh, and our favorite section, Double D, shout out. Um, <laughs> I think it's Row D. And um, have a great behalf. Thank you so much for giving us this gift, Shamai. You, you never cease to amaze me. Bye. Hey, Shamai. It's Bunny with Bottom again from Atlanta, Georgia. The Alabaster Hourglass, the Juiciest Beach in Georgia, the Leslie Hall of Burlesque, and the Motivational Stripper. Damn it, Shemaya, I forgot to mention, I mentioned I was an alternate this year at BHOP 2019, <laughs> which is a first for me, but I forgot to mention I'm an alternate for the Movers, Shakers, and Innovators Showcase. Everything else is still true. Oh, I would say this is my first year. I took world-famous Bob's advice, and I got a, a portable travel humidifier. Um and I think it's helping because the air, you know, in Atlanta, we actually have to use several dehumidifiers, so the world's a difference in Las Vegas. But I would recommend that, too, a little travel dehumidifier. No, sorry, humidifier. <laughs> Thanks. I'll see you at BHOP, Jeremiah. Bunny, I am sending you so much love. You are right that we don't talk about being an alternate or waitlisted for big events like BHOP or other festivals, so thank you so much for sharing that with us. I will see you and Paul so soon. If you want to dial in and answer our current prompt, leave some feedback, or give a shout out to your burlesque crush, give us a call on the Pasty Tapes hotline. Our number is 1-530-PASTIES. That is 1-530-PASTIES. In number form, 1-530-727-8437. You can also send me a voice memo on your phone and email it to thepastytapes at gmail.com. Is this hitting your ears before or at Behoff? Leave me a message with your Behoff reactions. Thank you so much for listening to The Pasty Tapes. You can follow us all across social media at The Pasty Tapes. You can always leave us a love note at thepastytapes at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. This is Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling with the pasty tapes. <laughs>